Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is Sarah Westcott. And this is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Read. The podcast where we talk about books and the cocktails that go along with them. Yes. And um, you probably are listening to us and like wondering about the, the audio quality today. Um, and uh, the reason why it sounds like this is because we're on Zoom. Unfortunately, Katie caught the vid, right, Katie? <laughs> Yeah, only took two years and it finally hit our household. Yeah. Um, what what happened? Like what it, it wasn't it wasn't like vacation that did it, right? It was like after no. vacation. Um we got back and I tested both the kids um before they went back to school doing my due diligence and they were both fine. And then um I guess Luke went back and was looking at the COVID tracker for the school. And uh, the beginning of the week when we were away, it was starting to have a bunch of cases in their school. Yeah. Um, like staff and and students. And then um, Sunday after we got back, Eric started to be stuffy, but that was kind of like it for him. And then I went away for work. And then Wednesday night, Adam tested positive and Eric didn't test positive, but I guess uh, Thursday morning, his COVID test had a faint, tiny, tiny, tiny blue line. He told me he's, he's teeny tiny bit of COVID. And I was like, all right, yeah. so that, that was a positive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it basically, yes, it, it, it blew up at their school to the point in time that they decided to go virtual for those last two days before, well, today's Good Friday. Um, right. So the last two days before today, before spring break, they decided to, to go virtual, which was great because I tested positive on this Sunday yeah. and um, had two days of being at home sick quiet and then I had then you had the kids home with you yeah sick home with kids yeah teacher and a cook and all the stuff uh yeah so you're not really getting a whole lot of rest at least these last two days I mean you're still working you were still working and stuff from home as well right yeah I it's I mean I wasn't expected to work but it it's not hard to sit on your couch and work and yeah keep absolutely up stuff and yeah keep up with the emails and do the stuff and I actually got some stuff cleaned up because I think people were intentionally not sending me stuff which was kind of cool no that's but, good that's good yeah um but we both had two vacations since we last talked yeah we definitely we we, we both were on vacation I just got back uh what day did it? we got back last Saturday so um you know it was a long extended vacation which I thoroughly enjoyed it was freaking gorgeous down there I mean you could not we could not have asked for better weather I loved it um and you know that being said like when we were on our way home I was like I cannot wait to be in my house (laughs) sleeping in my bed I mean we slept in you know beds that weren't ours and took showers and a shower that wasn't ours for nine nine days you know what I mean and it's a lot so um my first shower back in my shower is the best (laughs) There really is something about your home shower. There is nothing like your own bed and your own shower. Like I'll never, I I don't know. It's just the best. That's all I can say about it. So, but I mean, that being said, like I, like I said, we had, we had a blast as a family and, um, uh, my sister and my mom came down with us. Well, my sister flew down, uh, separately from us. So my mom was with us the whole time. And, um, my sister came down for a couple of days and, you know, we went to universal and, um, drank a lot of alcohol and we had fun <laughs> did, you go on, did you go on the Velocicoaster? no I didn't because I'm super pissed off about it so here is the story behind that real quickly um we 
got to Universal and we, um, Sophie was like dead set on going on a roller coaster and she really wanted to do it. And uh, the first roller coaster we went on was the Hulk. She, she is not tall enough to go on the Hulk roller coaster. So um, Aiden came on that with us. So then we walked over to, towards the Jurassic Park area and I'm like, all right, we got to get Sophie on a, we got to get Sophie on a ride. And she went on the Jurassic Park water ride, like the one that goes down the big yeah. hill. Yeah. And she, like, you should have seen her face. She friggin' loved that. Like she absolutely had a blast. Then she saw the Velocicoaster and she's like, I, I, I really want to go on that, but I'm not sure if I can. And she was really nervous about it. She saw that it went upside down and how long it kind of stays upside down. And she was kind of like turned long, off by that. Way long. Yeah. So she was a little turned off by that. So as we were walking to it, like me and John and my sister were going to go on it. And as we're walking to it, we see that it's, um, they're doing test runs. Like nobody is on it. So we're like, fuck. So we ended up walking away from it and going into Harry Potter, um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and then just taking the train. And, and then obviously you're all the way, you know, you're on the other side yeah. of the park. So getting back is a pain in the ass. And like, I mean, even though we were at Universal for nine hours, we probably hit like five major rides, which pisses me off to no end because you spend $250 per person to get in. And then if you don't buy if you don't buy the fast pass, you're screwed basically. And so that was, you know, kind of shitty. So I think we decided as a family that the next time we go down, we're definitely buying the fast pass stuff because you really can't go and enjoy yourself without it anymore. So right. it's like, if you're going to go every other month and you live local or something like that, then yeah. it would, then you don't need to buy it. Cause you can just hop over or whatever. But if you're making a right. trip to specifically go down there and yeah. I mean, it's an insanely expensive. It's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, you're paying to have the most fun you can possibly have. And, um, you know, five rides just in, in the nine hours that we spent there just wasn't enough for me personally. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, other than that, I mean, you know, we had fun. I read, I read three books while I was gone. Um, so, you know, we spent a lot of time at the beach. It was great. We had a great time. That's awesome. I yeah. brought one book with me on my vacation. I so uh I brought Vox. No, I didn't bring Vox. Whatever I was reading right before I vacation, I finished and I brought um a book that I've had. It was one that I got from uh the secret book swap that we do. Gotcha. And uh it's been on my to be read list for a while. And I started reading it on the plane on the way down and was kind of like, it seems familiar. Oh, so you already read it. <laughs> it seems familiar. And I'm like, no, maybe it's it's one of those authors. Um, it was a Karen Slaughter book, and it's one of those authors where she always has like her next book at the, yeah. at the end of the last book. So yeah, like, so maybe, maybe you just read the first, like, yeah. Yeah. So I was yeah. I was fully convinced that that was it. Um, and then you know, we we did Disney and I I there was no beach time. I brought my book to the pool. I think I read like two pages one day mm. sitting at the pool, and that was about it. Um, and then when we went to go back, I had, obviously I brought two other books because that's the way we roll. And I left that one in my carry on. So I get on the plane and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got like another 10 pages in and I'm like, motherfucker, this is way more than would have been at the end of the book. I've definitely read this book. And I was so (laughs) like, I, I, I I literally was incredibly, and I said to Luke, I'm like, I'm pissed. He goes, why? And I go, because I've already read this book and he goes where are your other books and I go in the in the packed luggage and he's like under the plane I'm like yeah 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 that's, that's, exactly that's, they are. that's um, the that is honestly the worst feeling in the world like I've I can tell you I've definitely done that before where I'm just like I think that I've read this 
but at the same time, I'm not positive. So then you keep reading and you're like, yeah, no, I definitely read this. And it's like, do yeah. I stop or do I keep going? Cause yeah. obviously like I've forgotten some of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So um, that, that kind of stinks, but yeah, that's frustrating. That's r- certainly frustrating. I, what did you read? So I read, um, I, while we were driving from Savannah to uh, Florida, I finished up our book club book, what, which was, remind me what that was called again, The Invention of Invention Wings. Invention of Wings, yeah. Invention of Wings, um, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I haven't I finished know- it yet. Okay, so I won't really talk about that at all. Um, but that was really good. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure I was going to like that, but I, I, I enjoyed it enough, obviously, to finish it. And we had a really good conversation at book club, which you missed, unfortunately, this past week. Um, yeah. And then, and then I read something called We Begin at the End, um, which is kind of like, uh, I don't want to really call it mystery thriller, because I don't know if I would really call it that. But it kind of reminded me a lot of um, uh, Barbed Wire Heart in a way. But it's oh, about a, a, a much younger girl. And um, basically, she calls herself she's like 13. And she calls herself an outlaw. And, you know, she basically just, you know, kicks ass and whatever. So it's, it was a really good book. I, I liked it a lot. I had, um, you know, there was a central murder mystery to it. So um, that was good. And then obviously I brought Vox with me and I, and I read that. So, yeah. <laughs> I really liked, I, I really liked Vox. I'm glad I want to talk about that. <laughs> well, I guess, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about it, Katie. So let's right. jump into our prologue, I guess. All right. right. Prologue. <laughs> the prologue. Let's do it. Um, all right. So as we just stated, we read uh, Vox by Christina Delcher. And um, this book uh, was published, published on August 21st, 2018, basically right in the middle of the Trump presidency. Um, uh, a couple of little facts about this book. Um, the author, Christina Delcher, is a linguist, just like the main character. Um, and she has actually written a few more dystopian like books, uh, since this one came out. And I, as soon as I saw that, I immediately put them on my to be read list. I'm like, I gotta read these books that as one, well. That one, that one, that one. Yeah. So, I, cause I want to see if they're in the same vein, like, you know, very fem- feminist literature type stuff. And, um, uh, let's pause that for a second. And I know we both really want to try our cocktail that we did. Um, yes, we why don't why don't you describe it, Katie? I will. It is called the Quiet Sunday, appropriately mm-hmm. enough. Um, it is vodka, amaretto, and orange juice. And then if you looked closely, the recipe actually called for a slash of grenadine, not a splash, but a full. Oh, did it really? I missed that. <laughs> so I made sure to slash my grenadine in. <laughs> Me cheers. too. All right. Cheers, Which, Katie. Like, clink. Clink, clink. Yeah, sorry. Mm. Okay. Um, tasting a lot of amaretto, I think, in that one. I think I may have overdone it on the amaretto, maybe. It was, well, it was only supposed to be a splash of amaretto. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not too bad. I'm definitely tasting, I, I went, I, I went just a little bit more than a splash on the grenadine because I like, I, I just do. like that flavor. Yeah. yeah. That's like, I like that flavor and especially in a cocktail to make it like a little bit sweeter for me. Mine's, um, mine's very orange juicy and vodka-y, which is AKA a screwdriver back to where yeah. we started yeah mine definitely looks you can tell by the color of mine that I put like yeah. a little bit more than a splash of grenadine yeah but yours is look. pink mine's like yeah mm-hmm. 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 holy shit okay yeah yours is definitely like orange but it's good yeah. either way it it's is. really good I like it um 
So uh, I guess do we have any? Oh yeah, yeah. Do our do our um, synopsis real quick. Okay, so on the day the government decrees that women are no longer allowed more than 100 words per day, Dr. Jean McClellan is in denial. This can't happen here, not in America, not to her. This is just the beginning. Soon women are not permitted to hold jobs. Girls are not taught to read or write. Females no longer have a voice. Before the average person spoke 16,000 words each day, but now women have only 100 to make themselves heard, not the end. For herself, her daughter, and every woman silenced, Jean will reclaim her voice. I don't even know that we have to say anything other than let's jump into the story for that because I'm ready to talk about this book, right? Yep. <laughs> All yep. right, let's do it. Absolutely. The story. Um, okay, Katie, so I have read this book before. This is the second time that I read this book. And um, so I'm just going to ask you first, what did you think of the book particularly? So I... I I very much enjoyed it. I liked the premise. Um, I've come to realize that I'm very influenced by reviews on Goodreads because Mm -hmm. I went to Goodreads, marked that I finished reading it. I was like, oh, it's four stars. I really like this book. And then I scroll down and look at the reviews and somebody's like one star really liked the premise could have been better at the end. And I was like, okay, I kind of agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I, 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 it, it, it like, it, it went deep into me. So I, one of the notes that I wrote is that while I was reading this, I felt like I couldn't actually speak in my own house. Like as soon as yeah. I sit and read for a while and I'd put it down and then I'd get up and I'd be like, I can't talk. Like I, It's almost like you thought you were doing something wrong when you were talking. You know what I mean? Because the women in this story are, are not allowed to, and in fact are punished if they speak over a hundred words um you know with shocks to their to their wrist which is fucking horrifying (laughs) I mean I um I I don't know I I really enjoyed reading the book the second time I think almost more more? I don't want to say that I picked up on more but the first time I read this obviously was during the Trump presidency you know for for people like me and you I mean super super liberal people um, just reading something like this and, and thinking at the same time that, you know, the stuff that we're going through as a country at this point, it's not far off. It's, it's like not totally even, in the, nope. totally in the realm of possibility of something that could happen. No, it's not probable, but yes, it's certainly possible. And like, um, obviously we'll get into, you know, more deep things like when we go on, but there are so many parallels kind of that you can look at and say, um, you know, women are being too, too loud now. Like there's just so much that we have to fight for and people want to silence us. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's a really harrowing, difficult thing to read. I, I enjoy, I enjoy books like this, but I do agree with that one uh, with the Goodreads review that you mentioned. Um, I do think the ending could have been a little bit better. They don't really, I've always noticed in like dystopian novels like this, where they, where it's only one book, they kind of rush the ending a little bit because there's so much leading up to it. You know what I mean? I agree. And And I I think that it, it, it's almost like you don't know necessarily how to, how to flesh out the clash that happens three quarters mm -hmm. of the way through the book. And it's just kind of like, all right, we, we got to get it done. We got to get it done. We got to get done. Right. Right. Because um, this is a standalone novel. It's not going to be a series or anything like that. So yeah. like, what are you going to do? What so are you going to do? I was do? reading in the, 
right in the back of mine she um so i don't know if you have this as well but there's a, a conversation with her in the i back think of i mine. do yeah i don't know if you read it at all or not but this basically i'd written she said um she'd written a short story of about 3500 words and then had a sketch so she had a skeleton to work with but the vox novel came together quickly in the course of like two months after that so yeah, it started yeah. as a short story and and just like this dystopian what would happen what would happen what would happen and right. i think the whole concept of of having a limit on your words is just it's so in and of itself such a harsh harsh punishment for being a woman but at the same time like not even being able to use sign language not being able to read books not being able to write not being able to allow to have pens not being able to on top of just the limit of the actual words right those women that were in the in the uh grocery store using sign language to communicate and help with a baby or whatever and it just all of those things on top of it I think made it so much more defeated feeling absolutely because I mean basically what they're doing they're not just taking away your speaking voice they're taking away your ability to communicate in any way shape or form like you're not allowed to use you're not allowed to use the computers you're not allowed to type anything you're not allowed to like you said sign language sign language anything so like they're they're taking the whole species of females and just kind of putting them in this box and they're not allowed to do these things and and the reason why is because they're scared you know they're scared of if women get together and 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 their voices are heard and women vote and you know all of this stuff um women you, you saw it in again like 2017 when when trump became the president and they did the women's march all over the country like millions of women marching for women's rights you know and like they don't like yep. that and there was one i remember the first thing that struck me immediately um on page 20 jean is talking to her ex-friend at this point, Jackie. And uh, Jackie is talking about who is the most angry person in America. And she says, it's the straight white male. And like, it's just something that struck me so hard, because that's so it's so true. And it's something that's going to continue to be true. You know what I mean? Like, they are so they feel they feel marginalized when they are the least marginalized people on the planet. Right, so, because it, yeah, their their slices of the pie are slowly going away. Yeah, they do, they don't want to share with anybody else, basically, and um, I think that was the first thing that struck me immediately. Like, ha- you know, these guys they just have to start silencing women because they can't handle women who are too loud for them, too um, too politically active, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I um. One of the things that I I did very much enjoy about the book was how she um, showed how how the, how the society got to that point of having bands and how Jackie was always there. She popped in and out of Jean's memories all the time of saying, "You know, you you don't see it coming. I don't ha- understand how you don't see it coming. We're yeah. this is just the next step. This is just yeah. the next step. This is just yeah. the next step." And the fact that you know there's an issue about if women can even still have abortions right now in certain states it's like yeah 
I think that was the scariest part for me, honestly, because, um, like I said, this is not out of the realm of possibility for us. And like the way that it kind of built up slowly, just like you said, like Jackie is saying, you know, we have to fight for this stuff now. It's not always going to be here. We can't always, you know, um, uh, assume that we're going to have these rights and whatever. And Jean is just sitting there, oh, you know, whatever, you know, I, and she says at one point that she didn't even vote. You know what I mean? Like, these are the most important things for us. And if we don't, if we are not involved in them and, you know, at least trying to put our, made our, make our voices heard, then they're not going to be. And this is how they can silence us. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I think that's the, the reason why, like, this book in general just made me kind of very icky feeling even though I enjoyed the read obviously but yeah it just it's very difficult to read because you're like whoa um I could easily see how this could go from this small thing of women marching on Washington because they're pissed off because a misogynistic misogynistic piece of shit is president to then being silenced like this because we're getting too loud and too crazy, you know, right. hyster hysterical as they like to call yes. us. You know what I yes. mean? Yep. So yeah. And the whole the whole part of you know it being taught into schools and her her ones on Stephen like fully I think his name was Stephen fully mm -hmm. adopting it and and turning on his mom and being like, well yeah you had a job get back in the kitchen, and yeah. her being like, oh excuse me, yeah yeah what. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the way, she the them, way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the way that it 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 gets groomed into into the younger generation as to this is what you're expected and what's expected of you. I think it's interesting that it was only set a year in. Yeah, like it, it wasn't. It's not a super futuristic. Like we've been like this society no. forever. Yeah. It's just a year. So everybody still has those memories about being able to, to communicate and do the things like they used to do and go to yep. work and have be the most important brain linguistic person on the planet. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, just like going back to Stephen for a second, I mean, the whole fact that like they, the reason why she even found out like this was starting was because he just brings a textbook home from school mm -hmm. and says, this is, you know, some like uh, theology class I have to take or something like that. And what, he's like a freshman in high school or some shit like that. Yep. And I mean, this book is literally saying that women belong in the house. Women, you know, they're the, they're the um, caregivers of the family. Men are the money makers. I mean, it's just literally taken from 1950s, you know, Leave television exactly yeah. exactly like all that kind of shit and I mean you know not for nothing like this stuff I'm sure I, I don't know the bible myself but I'm sure this kind of thought is in the bible and you know the cornerstone of a lot of religions is you know men being the providers and women being the caregivers you know what I mean so you're not going to want to hear me say this but okay. I kind of I don't want to say I like the concept of that but I would love the freedom to be able to do all of the things that she was able to do, like go to the grocery store and not have to bring her kids and not have to think about work because I yeah. do think about work when I'm not at work. Yeah. Um, but I would never want to not work 
and I would never want to be expected to stay home and not be able to talk and all of that. And I, and I think that's what the difference is. Like this is a forced upon you. You know yeah. what I mean? It's different when you sit here and you go to work and you're like, I don't want to go to work. I, I wish I had all this time free to, you know, go to the grocery store for my family, get the car, the, um, you know, the oil changed in the car and shit like that and do all those errands yeah. that we have to find a random time to do. Yep. And instead we're just, you know, it's forced on us. And, and suddenly they tell you, um, you know, the one part in the book when she goes and, and realizes that she is no longer allowed to get a passport. They literally confiscate her passport when she tries to go and that renew was it. crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. And, oh my God, let me just jump in really quick with a, with a, um, with a brief little uh, sidebar. So I went to um, I know you said you haven't read the head or you haven't read the handmaid's tale and you haven't seen the show, right? Correct. So basically is it that, similar? It's very similar. It's very similar. There's there's similarities there. Um so I read it and I, I watched the first season of the show. So in the midst of watching the first season of the show, again, this is during the Trump presidency and everything. So you could kind of see like this is also possible, you know, like oh. again, maybe not probable, but whatever. So there's a point in it where um, uh, the main character goes to, she's got a credit card and she goes to the store and her credit card gets declined. And they basically say, um, you know, I've got to take this from you or whatever. And like, it happens to all, it's happening to like all the women or whatever. So one day- You'd lose your mind. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly, I would. So one day I went to the Apple store. And I don't remember what I was buying. I was there. I think it was like, a. I think it was around Christmas time. I think I was buying a present for John. You know how at the Apple store, they have their handheld things and you can pay right there with them or whatever. So I give them my credit. I give him my credit card and he's like, oh, it's coming back as declined. And, you know, it's, it's just not going through. So then another woman is next to me and the same thing is happening to her. So all that's going through my fucking mind right now is handmade tale. Holy shit, you're in the show. I'm like, holy fucking shit, it's happening. Our credit cards are going down. They're not allowed to, like, women are not allowed to use credit cards and go out anymore. (laughs) It was just one of those things, like, as I was, it it was basically in the midst of all the craziness. Like, probably, like, Trump had just been elected and and the handmade tale had just started. And I was very much like, oh, my God, we're all going to (laughs) die. You're fully immersed and thought you got like totally immersed. Oh, exactly. So like that was just something that I remembered reading this and, and, um, and I was like, oh, I got to bring that story up on the podcast when we talk about it. (laughs) Um, so, uh, let me see. So yeah, that first thing that I pulled out that, that, um, conversation with Jackie was the first thing that I wanted to talk about. Then, um, we already talked about the argument with Steven where she called, where he calls her hysterical, which really pisses me off like anytime you call a woman hysterical um like the etymology of that word is just ridiculous because you know it literally means uterus you know what I mean yes and the fact that you have a uterus and you're because you have these feelings um uh when you get mad and angry about something you're hysterical you know yeah so like the only time I can appreciate the using of that word is like when you are full on sobbing and you are so far outside of yourself because of it, but not yeah. for somebody to tell you, you can say I'm hysterical right now, but that's totally different. Yeah. And I always um, use hysterical as something funny back, too. Right. I appreciate yeah. it much more when it's hysterical funny. Yeah. It's Me such too. a weird word that you can I use. Know. Really I know. Um, it really is. It's just like fuck with all those words, ways you can use it. 
um back to the whole like being at home in the kitchen thing i flagged this quote because i thought it was i feel like it's more me than it is you so it's on page 45 um when thomas is coming to uh, i think let her band off to talk about the proposal of helping the president's brother okay yep with his free hand thomas produces a small key it's like an elevator key one of those round single purpose gizmos that don't seem to have a reason for being except in an elevator a device that brings to mind all the other silly little inventions can openers lemon zesters melon ballers things that only do one thing we have so many of them and i literally have an entire drawer full of them because <laughs> a pamper chef parties and all of the things that i'm like oh i need one of those nope i don't oh i need one of those no nope, yeah. i don't i use it i use one maybe one a year but it goes back to like I had a whole conversation with Luke at one point in time. He wanted to go through the kitchen and get rid of all the stuff that I don't use. And I was like, well, these are, these are my tools. Like I use yeah. these things. I'm like, you have a whole slew of tools downstairs that you use for one thing. And this tool does one thing. And this tool right. does one thing. And that's exactly thing in my kitchen. <laughs> I would like to say that I have a special spot to put all of the ones that I only use once a year, but they're all in the same drawer with the things that I do use all the time. Where else are they supposed to go? <laughs> no idea. But the, I, I read that. I'm like, I have a whole drawer of those things that I go, I guarantee you Sarah has like one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't have a lot. Of, I don't do a lot of pampered chef parties or anything like that because, you know, whatever. Basically what happens if I find that I need something, I'll go out to Target and buy it, whatever. Yeah, it's buy just, it. Right. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I don't really have a lot of like single use things that, that I keep around. I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than, um, like, uh, pumpkin carving tools. Yep. I fucking hate, I fucking hate that they're in my drawer because I, I, first of all, I don't like carving pumpkins. I think it's stupid. I hate it. So they're in your drawer all year. Yeah. It's in my drawer all year long. Do you have Halloween decorations? no no you know i mean put out, like I put, fall out fall, decorations? I put out fall decorations sure yeah pack that shit up with your fall decorations okay maybe when we move i'll do that so go. then you know i'll do that all together so then they're not sitting in my in my drawer just pissing so me off all year long because <laughs> yes. i have those too but they are oh. not in my drawer oh i'm the worst because my kids are always like when are we going to carve pumpkins and i'm like can you just draw on them this year <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to carve pumpkins. <laughs> does John help carve pumpkins? Yeah, he does. He does. And like the kids don't, don't love the, the reason why I don't like it so much is because the kids don't love the messy part of it. As Nobody much likes as, the inside. No. And it's always me who has to clean the shit out. So whatever. Yeah. That's why I don't like it very much. Um, so I, I want to end result though. So I will. Well, yeah, no, true, true. Absolutely. They do look nice. Um, and you know, when the kids can kind of like do it on their own, then that's fine. Um, but no, I don't want to be involved in it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just briefly, I want to touch on the fact that, like I said, in, in one section of the book, she says, um, that, uh, she goes, I keep reminding myself, it isn't my fault. I didn't vote for Myers. I didn't vote at all, actually. And just, I know I'm going to tie this back so much to the, um, Trump presidency and him getting elected, but like, that's the kind of shit that happens when, you know, you say, I don't like either candidate, 
So I'm just not going to vote. And the problem is that people who do like that candidate who is a piece of trash, they do vote. They do. And like, it's more likely that us liberals are going to say, um, you know, I don't like either of these, so I'm just not going to do it and whatever, or I'll vote third party and throw yeah. away my vote at this point because, you know, we're just not, we don't, we just don't have the capacity right now for another party. Um, hopefully someday, maybe we will, but right now it's just two parties and that's it. Um, so basically that ties into something like, um, uh, you know, ignorance and, and complacence in, in our elections. If you are ignorant and complacent in these kinds of things and even local elections and, um, you know, state elections or whatever, all of that stuff is important. If you sit those out, then the people that you don't want to be making laws are going to be making laws. Mm-hmm. And that is where we're at in this country right now, where we have 26 states making laws to virtually ban abortion. And that doesn't affect people like you and me. That's not going to affect me and you, because first of all, we live in a liberal state, like abortion is not going to um Abortion is not going to become illegal here, illegal here, at least for the time being, unless New York City somehow, you know, goes crazy and becomes Republican. It's not gonna, to mention the fact that neither one of us is ever going to be having kids any time ever again. No, 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 exactly. But, you know, if I got pregnant, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I might be thinking about that. Um, but it's going to affect the marginalized groups. It's going to affect um, mainly like Black poor women, you know, like who just can't afford to travel to the states that are going to be able to provide those services for them. And I was just reading the other day on Twitter um, that uh, I believe Yelp, the company Yelp, said that they will pay if someone uh, who works for them needs an abortion, they will pay Pay for for them them and their family Exactly, exactly. And like, we need more companies to stand up and and say that kind of thing, because otherwise, we are going to lose this right. And um, it's scary, because it's a slippery slope from there. It is a really slippery slope from there. First, it's that and then and then what comes next? You know what I mean? Do you ever did you ever read Freakonomics? No, I don't think I have. Okay. So the books, I mean, it's it's an older book now at this point in time, but it it had a good, a very good I remember hearing about it. Brought up about the fact that yeah, so they brought up the fact that um, crime rates started to drop. Uh, I'm gonna say like 20 to 30 years after Roe v. Wade was passed, because all of these these kids that were unwanted by their mothers were no longer being birthed by these mothers, and then neglected by the mothers, and then led right into a world of crime and that is probably the worst uh paraphrasing of that (laughs) but it has like it's been a lot it's probably been 20 years since i read it so yeah i that's that's the gist of it that i do remember is that abortion actually helped with crime rates because there was less unwanted kids being born basically right right um and it, it had it had some really good points i I would like to see, see like a 20 year later follow up to Freakonomics. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's if you ever have it and you have a time to read it. it um, yeah. I, liked it. I feel like, did they make it into like a, a, a show or a documentary or something? Am I wrong about that? I, feel I don't like know. I remember. It, 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 it is a podcast. One of the authors that has a podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. So maybe I could just listen to that or whatever, but that makes complete and total sense to me. And like the problem with, 
and I, like, I know that we're not a political podcast, but you and you and me being who we are, I know that like these issues are important to us. And um, I know that the people that we know who listen there, it's important to them as well. And um, uh, shit, what was I, what was I even saying? <laughs> I don't know, but this is the perfect time to have a, a, a sip of your cocktail. Yes, it is. Cheers. Yes, it is. So, cocktail. Cheers. Why did I? Say? I almost said cock for some reason. <laughs> John, she needs a sip of cock. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'm saying, or all I was trying to say, was that um, you know, this is an issue that uh, is important to me specifically, and uh, I, I don't know. I just think it is a very slippery slope where we're where we're headed, and it, it's terrifying to me that there are so many states out there that are willing to, um, I mean, no matter remove what, it. you re- remove it exactly. And like yeah. at some point, it, at some point, it's going to go up to the Supreme Court, and um, that's going to effectively end Roe v. Wade as we know it. You know, like they're just going to say leave it to the states, and um, uh, I don't know. That's a problem. That's an issue. So I don't. I guess I don't. It's it it is obviously a concern of me of mine. I think that more people in states like New York and California would be more up in arms if we could ever feel like it was possibly going to affect us. Affect us, but because, yeah, exactly. like you said, it's not going to affect us. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, passiveness as far as being up in arms. Not not, not total passiveness, obviously, because right. we're, right. we're we're discussing it at this point in time, but. It's not something that would ever happen here, like you said. And I don't know the best way to support the people other than raising our alarms here. But the people here are like, yeah, we got you. You're good. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's, it's. I think it's important to, I think it's important to, I remember when, um, I can't remember what, what uh, state it was. I think it was like Alabama a couple of years ago, maybe. Um, had passed a law. And, uh, you know, I immediately made sure I, I looked up uh, what charity would be the best to donate to in that state for people to have like abortion, abortion services and thing like things like that. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I do. I'll look that up and I will donate money to those things. Um, I'll donate money to, um, you know, I always donate money to Black Lives Matter. Uh, I donate money to, um, for abortion causes when Planned Parenthood, when it's necessary. And, um, I, I know that that's such a small drop in the bucket, but I, it's a way that I can, I can kind of help in some, some little tiny, teeny tiny way. And, you know, just, just making my voice heard, you know, as, as we're allowed to do right now is I think important. And like you said, because there are so many people that these things won't affect or, um, and they just become complacent in that, in that. And basically what happens when you get complacent is that little by little things will get taken away from you because you're just not getting mad enough at the time. So that's where, you know, Jackie's conversation with Jean comes in and she says, Hey, we need, we're going to we're going to a rally right now. Get off up, get up off your ass. Let's go. Let's go. And Jean says, oh, "I'm too busy. I gotta do that. You know, I gotta do this and this and this." And like, tell me that you haven't done that at some point. Like, you know, somebody says, "Hey, we gotta do this right now," and you're just like, "Eh, I can't right now." Like, and I, I mean, a puzzle. I got a yeah, book. exactly. I, got a I book. mean, 
so so that's that those are the important things i mean yeah like you know i know that we can't be up and fighting all the time but when things are happening like this i mean we have to kind of try to do the best that we can and i don't know exactly what that is but i'm hoping that you know we'll continue to try to research and find what it is you know what i mean absolutely absolutely yeah. i um so based off of that conversation do you know anybody that reminds you or has the name of Jean or Jackie? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Why? Who are you thinking of? So I have a very, very good coworker whose name is Jean. And mm-hmm. I, she does not remind me of the Jean in this book. She reminds me of the Jackie in this book. And I oh, love her for things because she is also, she's my news source. So mm-hmm. anytime there's something going on, I'll be like, we walked together at lunch, which I haven't seen her in like forever. And I miss her very dearly at this point in time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she is my, she's my, she's my news feed. She's my Twitter feed, but in person. And she right. is very much an active person as far as um, protesting what she can and mm-hmm. is able to and what we can do whenever we can do what we can do. And I, I, I felt very strongly that Jackie was my genie and I adore her for that. So that I also have like two other friends that that are named Jean that neither one of them reminded me of Jean. (laughs) And I, they both also reminded me of Jackie and it just, I don't know. It was interesting to me. First of all, that I have three friends named Jean because that is pretty interesting actually. Also a great aunt, but you know, that's a whole another person. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the other things that I wrote down, um, and this is, it's, it's less of a hot topic and more of a, the way I read books and that I think it was in an intentional literary tact that totally foiled me. Um, on page 200 when she's going through her the envelope that she takes out of the mailbox and she's looking at the the white team and the gold team and the red team and i flip over the white cover first revealing an outline of my team's goals develop test and mass produce anti-wernicke serum and then the gold packet is almost a duplicate the goals read develop test and mass produce wernicke serum and the gold set its goal is singular explore water solid solubility solubility there we go (laughs) or vodka of Wernicke serum and then you know not many pages later she goes back and she's like they were missing the word anti and I was Mm -hmm. like no they weren't no they weren't I didn't catch that either yeah and I went back and I was like holy shit I literally glossed right over the fact that they said different things and meant in literally 180 degree difference right exactly the other one I can tell you right now I've read the book already you know and I did the same thing like there's no I think it's written that way so you're not really your your brain isn't when you're reading a book even your brain isn't actually like reading every single word you know what I mean like it just glosses over so you at least get the gist of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think thought I, heard, I like, did read yeah. all of the words until <laughs> I get to something like that. And I'm like, I don't read all of the words. I think it's just like, it's one of those things that you're so used to doing that you, you, 
you don't specifically have to like, you know, read every single word. It's just your brain. It's just something your brain does. I, right. you know, I could totally I be wrong skip, about that, but I know I skip a lot of he says and she says like when it yeah. says, she's, yeah, I skip that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just one of those things when you're reading something and you specifically are like, okay, I know this probably says this um, because this is what this one said. And you, you're just not going to notice that led right up to the fact that there's three teams doing the same thing. So why would yes. they be doing something different? And then the fact, oh, right. wait, the last team is doing water solubility of that yes. instead of the other things. And yeah. Wait, oh, all three teams are doing something different. Let's talk about like the absolute um, awful piece of shit that Reverend Carl is. Is that his name? That's his name, right? Reverend That's Carl? His name. Yeah. So he's Carl basically... Corbin? He is basically the big catalyst behind all of this stuff. Like he is in the president's ear and, you know, um, it's so, it's just so funny because obviously she wrote this book as like a, as like almost like an answer to, you know, Donald Trump or whatever. And like, because obviously the president is very Donald Trump, like, like he's not smart. He's, not very well spoken and there are many people around him basically telling him exactly and 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 the scarier ones you know what I mean they're the ones that have his ear and tell him what to do and um that's kind of it's scary like it's scary that something like that can happen here in this country there was a uh, a couple paragraphs on page 184 that I, I highlighted, and I just wanted to read those really quickly. Um, because again, this is something I remember saying to myself when, uh, when Donald Trump was elected. Um, I don't think I really believed it would happen. I don't think any of us did. After the election, we started believing. Some of us became vocal for the first time. Women, for the most part, spearheaded the anti-Myers campaign, women like me, who hadn't ever tried on a pair of matching boots, piled into buses and metro cars and froze, marching boots, sorry, that's <laughs> an idiot, marching boots, <laughs> piled into buses and metro cars and froze in the Washington winter. There were men too, I remember, Barry and Keith, who had three decades between them of fighting for gay rights, spent a Saturday painting signs at their house two doors down from ours. Five of the graduate students from my department said they had our backs, and they did, for a while. It's hard to pinpoint what or whom we were protesting. Sam Myers was a terrible choice for the chief executive. Young and inexperienced in big time politics, his military training a one-year ROTC stint from college days. Myers ran his presidential race with a crutch under each arm. Bobby, his older brother and a career senator, supplied the practical advice. There was a shit ton of that, I'm guessing. The other crutch was Reverend Carl, the vote supplier, the man people listened to. Anna Myers, pretty and popular, didn't hurt the campaign, although in the end, it hurt her plenty. So I just, that paragraph, those three paragraphs in general, like really struck me a lot because it just, tell me that doesn't remind you of like everything that we went through. I mean, it's absolutely true. I attended, I physically went to Washington DC for the Women's March um, the day after the inauguration. And that was the first time I had ever done something like that. I had never protested anything in, in my life before and not in that, not in that kind of way. And um, it's, it's just so crazy how she, how Christina Dalter as the author, like took what a lot of us are feeling and just put it into so few words, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed that paragraph, but yeah. 
<laughs> it, it, it's very apropos to what was set up and exactly how it was. Absolutely. Last quote that I that I wrote down is on page 312. And we, we can get back into like more what happens in the end and stuff. But um, there was, and I've heard this quote so many times. Uh, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And who is that originally from? Do you have any idea? I uh, hold on a second. She says um, it's somebody named Burke. Burke's quote comes back to me. The same one Stephen paraphrased when the men came for Julia King. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Um, where does she say his first name? Who the Burke is? Edmund uh, Burke. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, is, but that's what Google tells me. Oh, and that just, again, like this whole, I feel like this podcast theme is basically, uh, you know, being complacent in, in who you are as a person. And uh, even if you're a good person. Um, French revolution, still, I think. Okay. Okay. But even if you're a good person, if you're just sitting back and just watching at, while, while evil takes over, then um, you're just you're on just the, you're just on the side of the evil, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's it for me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to. I did want to talk about um, Poe and the mysterious giant that was the creepy. Mm-hmm. And the stealthy and the one that she was most scared of who ended up yeah. being one of her saviors. And then, oh, yeah. we, we haven't even talked about Lorenzo and Patrick yet either. No, and we've got time. we got time. We can, we, whatever. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I, it, this is a hard one because it's got so many political undertones that, you know, obviously we want to chat about or whatever. And of course, we want to also talk about the story and what happens. Yep. Like, I want, I definitely want to talk about Patrick and Lorenzo um and Poe I remember like when I picked up the book a second time and I read about Poe I was like I feel like I feel like he's not as bad as they think he is I feel like he's the guy so when he comes out and like you know he's helping them I'm like oh shit I was right you know (laughs) but uh yeah Um, my mental picture of Poe is literally like a refrigerator in a suit just like a giant brick how about like I w- I think I was picturing like someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, like that, like yeah. that kind of thing, like just big, meaty, muscular dude. But you know, how can you be so stealthy and quiet when you're that gigantic? You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, it works. It works out in his favor for since he's you know part of the resistance, as they you know they call it or whatever. I so. mean, that's actually what his trade is in there. He's a giant, big underlying threat and yeah yeah for sure you didn't you didn't see him coming for sure um okay so let's talk about the let's talk about the relationships and um so Jean is married to Patrick and a lot of the time in the book we are hearing Jackie's voice saying that Patrick is basically a pussy he's not going to do anything he's He's not going to stand up no, he's a smart guy and, you know, he's going places in life, but uh, he's not going to he's uh, help in any way. He's spineless. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then, like, you find out at the end that he's been part of this resistance the entire time, you know, like yep. taking uh, taking um, uh, classified documents from the fucking White House and 
feeding them to the people of the resistance and, and trying to get something happening. And I, it's so shocking to me. I don't understand why he hid that from Gene. So you know it's what I so mean? shocking to me that it's almost unbelievable. In, right. in, in it. It's such a turn of character. So one of the questions at the end of the book in the reader's guide is, were you, su- were you surprised by Patrick? Is it true that sometimes we don't know the person we think we should know best? Mm-hmm. I feel like there was no doubt that they loved each other. They had these children that were, they adored their children and they both had these careers and they lived together and it was yeah it was kind of like a lackluster marriage but at the same time they seemed to be on the same page with a whole lot of things like he understood she didn't she wasn't happy to not be working she wasn't happy to not be talking or writing and she 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 felt terrible for her daughter about it and the fact like exactly what you said she didn't he never at any point in time said wink 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 to you we're all in this together. Let me try to sneak you other things and do some other kind of subterfuge in the house because there was right. none of that. He followed all the rules exactly as he was supposed to in his household. And yeah, I know there's cameras and stuff like that, but there was no no trying to break the rules or sneaking of anything. Which I mean, you're right. Yeah, there were cameras, but there was obviously places that they could go because they do end up having conversations in the house about stuff. Right. So and she has, she was able to take the mail from the mailbox and actually go right. read it into his office. So okay. So part of me, part of me wonders now that I'm looking back on it when they have that like big conversation at the end when he is like when she realizes that he's, you know, part of this or whatever, um, Stephen isn't in the house anymore. Stephen has gone to try to find his girlfriend who he fucking told well, he on. Got pregnant. Yeah. Who he, he got pregnant. Well, did he, did, was she pregnant? No, oh, they just had sex. Oh. No, I think they just had sex. Okay. I think they just had sex. The whole idea was um, it's okay for men to have sex, but a woman has sex and she's a whore. That's basically, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. So my thought is that maybe Patrick wasn't ready to discuss it in the house when Stephen was around because he knew how, how much Stephen had bought into Reverend Carl's uh, rhetoric, you know? And like, so it's maybe that's where that came from. And he was just worried that something would happen, which obviously Stephen was very willing to go and rat out somebody that he loved because he was in love with Julia and he, you know, had sex with her and then decided, oh shit, that was bad. We weren't supposed to do that. So now I'm going to go and tell these people and they're going to take you away from your family. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was a little piece of shit. And and then, and then he just did a complete 180 after, after she got, you know, caught. I'm just like, what the fuck? You just told on her. You knew what was going to (laughs) happen. And now you're pissed off and upset about it. Okay, bro. Like, what the fuck? Pick your um, side. Yeah, for sure. Pick for sure. Around. Uh, so, but that's, but that's another thing. Sometimes until something affects you, you're not going to react to it in the correct manner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So I don't know, but um, yeah, it, it was a little, it did, it seemed a little out of character, but the, just the way that like they kind of discussed Patrick the whole, the whole time leading up to it, you're kind of almost ready to I think 
you almost guess like, okay, they've talked about how much of a pussy Patrick is for the last 200 pages. It's definitely going to turn out that he's totally involved he's not, in, yeah. in the resistance. Yeah. Like it's got to. And then of course he ends up, he ends up like being the main hero. You know, he takes the poisons everybody he poisons everybody a lot of them die some of them are like just like brain dead you know um and then of course he gets shot for it um and and he dies and that happens immediately and yeah. he's free to go off with Lorenzo and have her yeah. baby <laughs> yeah. so the the one part of the story that I really did not like at all about well I guess it's not really the story so much as as, as Jean in and of herself um, the fact that she was even contemplating leaving all of the children that she had with Patrick to, to go help this unborn child that may or may not be female, just, it left a bad taste in my mouth of her that yeah. she was willing to abandon the other children that she had. And I know Stephen was already on the fence and he was a dick at that point in time. So it didn't, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't so much him, but her her daughter that she had and I, I i don't remember if her name was sonia or sophie or sonia Sophia. sonia okay sonia yeah um just i i don't know i didn't like her for that like that she was even like thinking oh, i'm gonna run away to italy and i'm gonna go see my parents i'm gonna go with lorenzo and have this baby and it's like but what about what about all those guys like so let me play devil's advocate for like one second here um I didn't like it either. Like it, it, I would totally agree with you. It definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I don't know if it's something I could do myself. Um, that being said, she was, you know, first of all, she was waiting until she, she was going to find out what the sex of the baby was. And then, you know, if it was a girl, she was going to, if it's a girl, we're go, I'm going to Italy with you. If we, if we can get out of here, whatever, that's great. Um, I think the reason why she said she would leave the other kids behind was there was a hope obviously that they would join her at some point. Um, and secondly, like if you bring a, a female baby into this, the only, and I think they go through this in the book too. Like, what are you supposed to do with that child? Are you supposed to lock it away because you can't let it hear language because the second it hears language, it's going to start trying to babble and talk to you and repeat. So what are you supposed to do? Put this, this baby, this newborn baby in a black, dark room. So it cannot learn how to communicate in any possible way, because what's going to happen to it then? Like how long until I'd love to know how long until a newborn baby comes out that you slap a thing on its wrist and, and a counter on its wrist and say, um, right. at what time do you do that? Exactly. Is it, only when it becomes verbal is it only is it like right away and like babbling noises are are picked up as well like it's just it's terrifying to think of so I can totally understand where she was coming from in that sense like how else am I supposed to raise a newborn baby in this situation my, because I don't even know what to expect right my beef was that she wasn't going to bring Sonia with her like yes you already have somebody that needs your protecting and your guidance as far as all of this is concerned yeah I think the only difference uh, there is that she knows Sonia obviously knew in that, at that time, like, you know, okay, she can only say this many words. So I know that she's not going to be hurt at this point. And I think, again, the hope is that someday they will all join her when they can in Italy. But like, again, you can't really fight 
a resistance off offshore. So you know what else. I mean? Like no. it's gotta, it's gotta be here. So, and that's part of the whole, this book ended very abruptly. It's like, basically he poisons the, he poisons the water or whatever drink they were drinking. And, you know, people either die or they get, um, uh, they get the aphasia and can't, co- you know, co- can't coherently speak. And then it's, then it's just Everything's done. Everything's just like, going to go away. Everything's yeah. just done. So these, like all of these people, like they're just like, oh, maybe those guys really were wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Wait a second. Let me think about this twice. Oh, I yeah. do miss my mom's voice. Oh yeah. She used to sing to me at bedtime. Yeah. So and, that. Yeah. The, the whole, the whole after effect of how do you, I mean, the counters don't stop working immediately. So are they all just going to, is somebody going to pass out the, the skeleton key that's going to take them all off? Or are they going to, what does the technology get turned off? Yeah. yeah the, I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe like, you know, Dell found some way to communicate how to take the counters off or, you know, whatever to everybody so that they could all, it could all be done at one time. But I don't know. I mean, something like this happens. And even just for a year, this, you know, was something that was going on. I mean, that's still a lot of rebuilding basically. And like changes you have to make, you know, so maybe that's, maybe that's why it only took place one year though, because think of it, if it were like 10 years on, it would be so much more difficult to to, to flip stop. the switch and go back the other to way. flip yeah. the switch exactly yeah. exactly so one year you're like okay it's been one year yes there's still a lot we have to change and you know go back to and and work it around again but um 10 years and it's like there's too many people involved and there's too, you know so I don't think it would have worked out that way the whole concept of the geopolitical spectrum too is just very interesting the fact that Italy's like oh, America's fucking crazy and it, right exactly which, I, the fact that we there was no ally that was just like the fuck are you doing like what are you doing stop well that's what, like it. we basically we're not gonna we trade have, with you yeah like how, how did that not occur? I I assume somebody must have and like you know we're kind of like pariahs at this point because h- how could you in good conscience like continue trade with America when they're treating women like that I mean certainly there are some countries that would be like oh oh that's a great yeah. idea you know <laughs> sounds great sign us up. But like, yeah, it's um, those other places that are so close by, like, you know, I don't know. I just, it's like, okay, how does, how does Canada not like, or somebody figure out a way to get like an underground railroad to, through into Canada and stuff right. like that. And right. that's, that's another very handmade tale thing is like people crossing the border into Canada because, you know, this is only happening in America. It's not happening anywhere else. So what does that say about America? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> so these things are so possible, and like you know, um, you're like when you're imagining it, even though these are fiction novels, you're you're reading it, and you're like, hey, I mean, this could certainly happen, and and of course, it can I happen have, in other countries too. I but, have yeah. to imagine there's people that probably read this book and also thought that would be great if it happened. Oh, you know what I mean? sure. yeah. You know, the, the thing is like a lot of people wouldn't pick up this book and, and read the back and, and say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to read this book. And then, and then leave being like, yep, still a good idea. I still want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like it's, not a good look. <laughs> I wonder if the, the 16,000 words each day is actually 
like a, the number of what we speak. Obviously, not I mean, when we're podcasting and we're just talking right. About exactly, exactly. We're in our closets. I mean, don't don't not believe her honestly because she is a linguist. The author is a linguist, so True. she must yeah. she must know something about that kind of thing. And I, I assume that's that's obviously an on average, you know. So who knows like when you're, when you're doing something like this, how much words you actually say in one day, I would, I would love to know that, but 100. And that's another thing. Like you don't know how much you talk until you're not allowed to do it. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of crazy and, and it is. scary, but and like what sounds count as words, as opposed to just being like, Meh. like right. word. Right. <laughs> but even, even little things in, of communication, like uh, pointing, like, you yeah. know, just, just pointing, I, I want to go over there. Like that's typically what pointing means, or, you know, you go over there that became outlawed and, and illegal yep. and people would, you know, it's just crazy that they were not even allowed to communicate their thoughts and feelings in any way. And um, once again, goes, it goes back to, because people are scared of, um, uh, women have a very powerful voice. There's a lot of us and like, there's a lot of us. And um, if we all got on the same page and voted a certain way, like you wouldn't be able to fuck with us ever again. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Unfortunately, not everybody is on the same page and that's just society in general, but (laughs) some some people like, like the Kool-Aid. I have to assume that the woman whose face got ripped off by a chimpanzee must have happened sometime right around the same time that she was writing this because of that prevalence. Do you remember that happening? You don't remember that happening? I do, but I don't have any idea as to when that happened. Um, What was her name again? I'm going to look it up because that was several years ago. That was a long time ago. Uh, Chandra Nash or something like that? Yeah, something like that. that. Something with a C? Something Nash. Um, um, I'm just going to do some Googling. Just do like chimpanzee. I'm looking chimpanzee Nash. Uh, Sharla. Sharla Nash. And that happened back in, when the frig did that happen? Um, like 2009. 2009. Oh, thank you. Vacation nails. Uh, 2009, February 16th, 2009. I remember reading about that and just being absolutely horrified. And yes. then like seeing the pictures of her, like, oh my God, I can't believe that's something that happened. And like the fact that it happens you know, kind of in the book, like they're, they're talking about it and she gets too close or they push her too close to the cage or whatever. Yeah. And it happens is like, she's lucky that she only ended up with a scratch. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, it's crazy that we work with these kinds of animals in that, in that way, in that sense and whatever. You mean Morgan? Yeah. I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate that guy. He was the worst. He really was. Um, he was a total yeah. credit stealer of every possibility. Yeah. He was, you know, Typical, typical guy who wants to glom on everybody else's work and take it as his own, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know, Kate, do you have anything else to say about the book? Did you have anything else you wanted to add or? Um, I think I'm good on this book. All right. Um, in that case, let's move on to our epilogue, right? Epilogue. The epilogue. So we do uh, have another book coming up and I forget what's next on the list, Katie. Do you remember? The Hate You Give. Oh, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, I believe. I, um, I do have that. Another one I've already read, but I am very excited to read it again. Another, um, 
I feel like we're doing this a lot, like social, social justice yeah. kind of books type things. And, and I love it. It's fine. I'm, I enjoy talking about politics and this kind of thing. And, um, you I know. think the two books after that are our number one books. So the Alice in Wonderland and Summer Sisters are going to be a totally different conversation. So. Totally different conversation. And I'm super looking forward to that. I actually just bought uh, the Alice in Wonderland book today. And I did end up buying, I bought Foe. No, so I think Foe is next and then the, and then um, right. our number one books. But uh, either way, I'm very excited for our upcoming slate of books and to talk about them with my good friend Katie here. <laughs> I can't wait to figure out what kind of cocktail we're going to have for the Hey You Give. Oh yeah, that's going to be interesting. We'll have to figure it out as we're, as we're reading. Maybe there might be something in there. Um, How uh, long ago did us- you read it? Oh God, I can't remember when it came out, but it's been a couple years. I want to say at least three, probably. Okay. And she she has um she's been a couple of books since then. And I've I've read one other one of hers. I think she has two books after it. And one of them is sort of like a prequel in a way, because I believe it's about the girl's father from the book. Okay. Um so and he's like a I believe he was a rapper or something like that. But it's really good book, good, awesome uh, social justice book. Uh, and I'm excited to read it uh, and talk about it with you. And um, uh, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say other than follow us on our socials, right, Katie? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please do. Um, rate, review, and subscribe. We uh, want to hear from you guys. Uh, we have a Twitter and an Instagram at to be read pod. Um, I'm not going to uh, spell it out gonna, every time. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop spelling it out. I think people right. know, and you know, if they found us, they probably know how to spell it by now. Yeah. So um, we're good. So you know, you can follow us uh, there, and uh, uh, Instagram especially is where we post the pictures of our cocktails and how you make them, and uh, you know, other fun stuff here along the way when we can. And and I don't know. I, I think that's it, Katie, right? Yeah. I hope that you join us next time when we make your to be red pile one book shorter. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye. you. To be read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willie. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turo. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Theme song, Read to Me, written and performed by Austin Maffa. Um, um, I do have, before we go too far into this, I do want to say, um, I have two things that I meant to say about shoulder season. So if Chris can edit this into the prologue in some way, shape or form, or the beginning part of before we get to the prologue actually would make more sense. Love it. Um, if not, it can just be at the end. I don't know whatever the hell we want to do with it, but yeah. I did have two thoughts after we finished recording shoulder season. And one of them was that it would have been better if it was only 20 years out. And I know we had talked about the 40 years being a long time, but if it had been 20 years out, it would have been perfect timing for making it plausible that the internet was new and that you couldn't keep up with your close friends and that you had to like kind of find them all out. So I wanted to say that. Um, And then the other thing we were talking about Playboy resorts and how they have this whole objectification of women. And at no point in time do we mention Hooters. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. that, that, that's, it, it's essentially the same thing, but with shorts instead of a bodysuit. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, Hooters Hooters exists, and you know, like I mean, it's fine. I love that people always try to be like, oh, their, their wings, wings are, are great. So, their wings are great. They have great wings. Okay, yeah, that's totally why you're going to Hooters. Like, yeah. let's not play that game. And like, you know, like there, I don't think there's anything wrong with Hooters at all. It's just, and I do know that like not not that long ago, pretty recently, maybe within the last year or two, um, they were fighting with like management yeah. and like yeah. owners about what they were wearing yes because they're they're unfucking comfortable like I mean Jesus Um, not that I've ever worn one I don't know (laughs) but I can imagine they look pretty uncomfortable um so yeah I yeah that's crazy I don't I can't believe we didn't bring that up that's so funny I know it was just two things I wrote down like we need to talk about this so if we can get that put in somewhere anyways absolutely so back to back, our epilogue. Back to our epilogue. Um, 